It's 12.09, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. It feels like Christmas. It's almost Christmas weather. 37 degrees outside. A little bit of snow still on the ground. Tell you what, I feel like playing Santa Claus. So here's what we're going to do today. All week, we've been doing our promotion, Welcome Back Baseball. I have been giving out four packs of tickets to see... The Brewers play the Marlins on Saturday evening, September, September, April 21st, together with a $50 gift certificate, gift card from our, our friends at MelvinMulch.com. We've been giving away one four-pack of tickets. Tell you what, I am feeling magnanimous today. So during the course of the show, Santa Jeff is going to be giving away two four-packs of tickets. We're going to do one giveaway during the 1 o'clock hour of the show and then a second giveaway during the 2 o'clock hour of the show. So... You know, be listening. We, we play the theme song, you know, you, you come see what's brewing, and you'll have a chance to win a four-pack of tickets. It's part of our Welcome Back Baseball promotion. We'll be doing this for the next few weeks. But typically, we only have one four-pack of tickets and one $50 gift card to give away. Today, I've got two four-packs of tickets and two $50 gift cards. We start today's program. And, oh, by the way, today's program is going to be really interesting. It's one of those eclectic shows that I like. We're going to be talking about national issues and some state issues and a local issue, but we're also going to be talking about some of the these fun things that I like to discuss. Is it right or wrong? I've got a lawsuit involving a woman who was injured in an Italian restaurant because the lasagna was too hot. I've got the woman who was fired for flipping off the president. She's fighting back. Disney refuses to let a pregnant woman on a cruise ship. She's unhappy. All that good stuff. So stick around. But we start off like we always start off with three big things. Story number one. President Trump has perhaps more than any president in recent American history made a point of bashing various companies. Um, you know, and, and he did it during the campaign trail and he continued to do it, um, you know, since he's taken office. Um, he's ripped on, for example, Verizon. He said Verizon made a stupid deal when it bought AOL, which they probably did. He's ridiculed Coca-Cola as being garbage, but said he was going to keep drinking it. He's called H&R Block and Nordstrom terrible. He said Sony had really stupid leadership. And he described uh, executives at S&P Global, a financial firm, as as losers um, before and after he became president. Mr. Trump has attacked tech firms, military contractors, car makers, cell phone companies, financial firms, drug companies, air conditioner makers, sports leagues, Wall Street giants, many media companies. Um, all have been called things like shameful, dishonest, garbage, really dumb, phony, failing, etc., etc., etc. Lately, some of these anti-business rants have really kind of taken on a, a new tone. And President Trump has really gone after Amazon lately. Amazon is owned by Jeff Bezos, who is the guy, he also owns the Washington Post. So you know, President Trump doesn't like the Washington Post, and I understand lots of presidents don't like the Washington Post. But the president, uh, but Amazon has gotten a lot of, of attacks. President Trump has gone after Amazon saying, for example, the U.S. Post Office. Amazon uses the post office to deliver a lot of its packages. So the president says, Amazon's costing the U.S. Post Office massive amount of money for being their delivery boy. Boy, Amazon should pay these taxes. 
plus and not have um, them borne by the American taxpayer. Millions of dollars. Post office leaders don't have a clue. Um, that's some of the things that, that he said. But, you know, more and more he's been going after Amazon and other different companies that, that are there. And some people think that one of the reasons he's really trying to focus on Amazon, and, and by the way, Amazon is a customer of the Postal Service. The Postal Service hires is hired by Amazon to deliver packages. And candidly, if Amazon has its own had its own delivery system, which it probably will in the next few years, um, that that's business that the Postal Service would have lost. But but regardless, it, it doesn't matter. You have the president attacking Amazon. In addition, attacking all sorts of other American companies. Here's what I would like to discuss with you to start off the show. Is this good for the country to have the president routinely attacking various American companies? Now, I I understand over the years that this has happened on various occasions. You've had, you know, um, back in the 1910 and 1920s, you know, you had presidents that were upset with some of the corporate giants that were out there and were trying to go after, like, railroad monopolies and things like that. But but here you have the president who is regularly attacking American businesses. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is a longtime Republican supporter, they're, they're starting to fire back, and they're saying it's inappropriate for government officials to use their positions to attack American companies. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is it good for the president to be attacking American companies? My answer would be no. But what do you think? 414-799-1620. This is big story number one. The war between the president and Amazon. And who ultimately is going to win this? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 12:15. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 12:17. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Look, it, it it has happened in the past that presidents have singled out a private American business for criticism. It is rare because typically, if the government of the United States thinks a business is doing something wrong, well, what happens is they end up getting investigated by the Federal Trade Commission or the Federal Communications Commission or whatever. There, there's procedures that, that you have. Um, again, occasionally, there are policy disputes. President Kennedy got into a big brouhaha with the steel industry, for example, back in, in the 60s. That has all changed with President Trump taking over the White House. And President Trump routinely will use his Twitter account to call out a variety of American businesses um, for a variety of reasons. And many times, I think what strikes a lot of people is, again, it's, it's this lack of impulse control. People end up scratching their head. But lately, the president has picked a fight for whatever reason with Amazon. A lot of us believe that it's because, again, he doesn't like the Washington Post. Guy that owns Amazon owns the Washington Post. So we're going after Amazon, which is an amazingly successful company. Candidly, I don't think it's good for presidents to be attacking American businesses because so much of the economy is depending on American businesses succeeding. Like I say, if you've got a bad business that's out there, well, fine, FCC, FTC, 
Justice Department, whatever. You can investigate and you can do that. But to simply you know, try to pick fights with American businesses, I think, is bad. I also think it's short-sighted because, I, again, all right, so let me see if I can cause – let me see if I can send out some hostile tweets and cause the price of the Amazon stock to drop like happened last week. All right, this is great. So what does that mean? Well, everybody's 401K plans go down. 414-799-1620. Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Jeremy. Uh, I think it's a political suicide to start taking on uh, corporate corporate elites like Amazon and what have you. These guys are well-connected with the political elites. Uh, if you're talking about needing money to run your next campaign, uh, these are the people you do not want to push around and play games with. They will do what they can. Uh, to undermine your, your, your campaign. So I don't quite understand, uh, what, what a strategic planning is for long-term, uh, political campaigns. Well, well, I don't either. And, and see, one of the things, it's, it's not just Trump versus Amazon. It's Trump versus all these businesses to the point that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is a very, very Republican-leaning pro-business organization, I mean, they're already out there saying, Essentially, what the hell is going on? <laughs> you know, what, are, what, are you, what are you doing attacking all these American businesses? And generally, they, they don't even know where it's coming from. It seems that, you know, what particular morning the president wakes up with a hair on a certain part of, you know, his yeah. anatomy and then decides to send out some tweet and some stock drops 20 points. Exactly. He, he's no Bernie Sanders. I don't think he's going to be able to raise campaign funds. Uh, through $20 donations throughout the United States like uh, Bernie did. So yeah. I really, again, I don't understand where this is all coming from. No, I, I think so. No, I mean, and I, I think it's just, I, I think it is coming from, and, and this is where I, I always want to say that, that when it comes to President Trump, you have to subs- you have to be able to separate style and substance. The substance of a lot of policies. Now, I have big disagreements with, for example, the trade war that he appears to be picking. We'll talk that about that in just a little bit. But I, I mean, but at the same time, you got to understand there are substance, and a lot of the stuff gets done well. But at this, then there's also th- this style. And if he's mad at the Washington Post, okay, fine, I I get it. And if he's mad at the fake news and the mainstream media's leftist bias, I, I get all that. But, okay, we're going to go after Amazon because, well, the guy that owns Amazon also owns the Washington Post. And we're going to say, well, Amazon is, they're, they're, they're too big a customer of the Postal Service. Well, all right. then okay, the last thing the Postal Service needs at this point in time, by the way, is to lose one of its major customers for package, you know, d- delivery. Um, you know, a couple texts here. One of uh, the president's campaign messages was his plan to, you know, um, you know, really um, rocket our economy. Why would a person with that message simultaneously bash our economic big shots? Which is a, which is a point um, that, that's out there. Um, and I think you have to just kind of figure this out. Roger Menominee Falls say, I pay tax on Amazon. What is he talking about? Yeah, I mean, if well, now that Amazon has a delivery plant in, uh, yeah, yes, you pay tax on the Amazon stuff, um, et cetera. Um, plus another texter makes the point I just did. I'm sure Amazon is working on doing their own delivery. Then the Postal Service will lose that contract. Yeah, it, look, here's the, here's the bottom line. It's one thing if you want to pick a war economically with China. And, and you can argue whether that's an advisable sort of thing. But to try to you know go after and pick fights randomly with various American businesses 
to me, makes no sense. Now, so far, it hasn't hamstrung the economy too much with the emphasis on too much, and that's also so far. But who knows what the next couple weeks or the next couple months or the next two years are going to bring. When we come back, big story number two, Scott Walker confronting the reality of what happened on Tuesday. Will other people also be willing to confront reality? We'll discuss. It's 1223. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Greg sends me a text. Jeff, the president should be a cheerleader for American businesses. I'm a conservative, and it irritates me. If the president doesn't like Amazon, he should keep his mouth shut about them and find some other businesses he likes and talk positively about them. We need optimistic and positive vibes. That's kind of how Walker, if you look at how Scott Walker, he's a huge cheerleader, just like Tommy Thompson was, a huge cheerleader for Wisconsin businesses and I think that's all a very good thing, and I think that's the way you do it. Now, all right, in that vein, positive things. I I have a positive story because I I, I had dealing with government agencies occasionally can be incredibly frustrating. I had one of the best experiences with Social Security the other day. See, here's the deal. um, I think everybody knows, almost two years ago, my, my first wife passed away, and um, there is now who's producing the show. You might not know this, but um, I, I was entitled. Anybody who's in a situation like that, um, Social Security pays out a two hundred and fifty-five dollar lump sum, like payment, you know, a death benefit that, that you get. Is now I had known, but you got to apply for it within two years. I had sort of known about it, and I had kind of thought, oh, maybe I'm not going to apply. So I'm telling the story, and my current wife, my brother. My sister-in-law and a number of my friends say, you're not going to apply? Are you nuts? It's $255. Why wouldn't you apply for $255? I mean, uh, you know, Jeff, if nothing else, get it and give it to charity if, if that's it. And I said, well, I don't know. It might be a pain. It might be you know, too much to hassle. And then somebody said, well, then you've got a story on the radio. I mean, you do everything for the stories you can tell. So do it. So I, this is true. A couple weeks ago, I call. It was the West Bend Social Security Office, and I tell them, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to apply for this death benefit. And I've also got some other questions about Social Security and claiming that and, you know, when you can do it and whatever. And the woman says, oh, great. She takes my information. She takes the my Social Security number, my late wife's Social Security number. She says, tell you what, we can do this over the phone. We'll set up an appointment, and they'll call you. And it was actually they set it up for yesterday morning at 930. They'll call you. And I, I said, well, can I ask some other questions as well? They said, sure. Here, and they kind of noted what I want to talk about. So about a week ago, I get a letter from them confirming the appointment, telling me the information that I need to have. 9.05 yesterday, that was the time of the appointment, not 9.30, phone rings, and it's this woman who's from Social Security, right on time. She said, yeah, this is. I understand this is what you want to talk about. I understood you have some questions. Here, I have your late wife's Social Security records. I have yours. What would you like to know? And we had a great conversation. Then she says, okay, you know, and you're entitled to this death benefit. Here, I have to put you under oath. They asked me a bunch of questions, said, okay, fine, all done, all processed, and I tell you what I'm also going to do, I will, I mean, I'll send you these different breakdowns of the things that we were talking about, so you'll be able to see and you'll be able to make decisions. And she said, and then, you know, depending on, she, she asked me, when are you going to stop working? And I said, well, it depends what day you ask me. Eric Bill said, you know that. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of like, it, when are you going to stop working? Well, most days I think this is the greatest job in the world, but catch me on the wrong day, and it's kind of like, this is just soul-crushing. I'm ready to, you know, it's, it's, that's what I told her. I, I said, yeah, she said, well, when, are you, when do you plan to stop working? I said, well, you know, it, it just depends what day you ask me. And she said, 
you're funny. I said, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> you know, it's just that. But but anyways, it was. And and I just we, we complain about stuff and we complain about government agencies and we rip on stuff. It was as pleasant an experience as it could possibly be, given the nature of the thing that I was trying to do. They were incredibly helpful um, and, and actually exceeded expectations. Like I said, she said, oh, well, I've got this whole thing printed out. I thought, you know, so I'll send it to you and you'll be able to just look at it and figure this all out. And um, I said, this has just been this has been great. It's just been absolutely great. Again, a difficult thing to deal with, but they couldn't have made it any better. So I, I admit that a lot of times, you know, you sometimes you rag on the institutions and the bureaucracy. Social Security, just a pleasure to deal with. Give them credit. It's 1235. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Baseball is back. And I want to send you to Miller Park. Be listening today. You are going to have two opportunities, one during the 1 o'clock hour, one during the 2 o'clock hour, to win a four-pack of tickets to an upcoming game. Actually, it's the Saturday night game, April 21st. The Brewers play the Marlins. And a $50 gift card, courtesy of our sponsor, MelvinMulch.com. So today, we'll have two four-packs of tickets to give away, one during the 1 o'clock hour, one during the 2 o'clock hour. Brewers baseball. It's great. I'm going to the game tonight, Drew. It's, you know, it's uh, look, looking for the Chicago Cubs. I um, I will be curious to see the ratio of Brewers fans to Cubs fans. Always interesting. And, um, well, we'll just, we'll just kind of see how it goes. I suspect there might be a story or two on the radio tomorrow based upon my experience with Cubs fans tonight. But we will, we will see. But, again, we've got that giveaway that's coming up. All right. Um, Elections on Tuesday, and, and let us let us put this in perspective. Rebecca Dallet, Milwaukee County Circuit Judge, she was the Democrat-backed liberal candidate for the state Supreme Court. She beats Sauk County Judge Michael Skrenick, who was the conservative Republican-backed candidate. She beats him handily by about 12 points. Um, she is the first candidate backed by Democrats and liberals to win an open seat on the Supreme Court in 23 years. Normally, it is the conservatives that will win. In this particular case, it did not happen. Now, as I said yesterday, I like Michael Skrenick as a person. I think he's an outs- he would, be, it would have been an outstanding Supreme Court justice. At the same time, I, I don't think that he was necessarily the best candidate to make this race. He was um, hadn't been out of law school really that long. He was from Sauk County, not to be offensive to anybody from Sauk County, but a, a small county, a guy with really no statewide presence. If you had had a higher profile attorney or judge, uh, whether a circuit court judge or an appellate court judge who had run, um, it, it might have been a different dynamic. But uh, again, and also, I mean, I, I think the Skrenna campaign was – I had serious questions about how this was being run, including he's got an ad with him playing a tuba when there's all these different differences. But I don't know that I don't know that that would have made a difference because what happened was, I think, just indicative of what has been going on since Donald Trump was elected. I understand people now are sticking their fingers in their ears and say, oh, we don't want to hear about this. Don't say anything bad about it. But but the truth is there has been a pattern that has been nationwide involving special elections. It's not just losing Republicans losing a Senate seat in Alabama because they nominate a kook like Roy Moore. Even in congressional seats that the Republicans have won, 
special elections. In many cases, they've been heavily Republican districts, and instead of winning 75-25, they win 53-47. So, I mean, I think something is going on, and you've seen this in Wisconsin. You saw it in the 10th Senate District, and you, you saw it, I believe, uh, last Tuesday. Now, just because something happens in April doesn't mean that it's automatically going to repeat itself in, in November. A lot of stuff can happen. And, of course, every time you've got a different race, you've got different campaigns and things like that. But after the Skrennick loss, um, you have, you know, go, now just one other factor. In case people knew it, I mean, uh, Rebecca Dallet, she had incredible backing from the Democrat organization in the state. Um, the Wisconsin Democratic Coordinated Committee, which is Tammy Baldwin's operation, um, together with the Democratic Party of Wisconsin and other Democratic campaigns, they they said we they had a get out the vote operation. They said they claimed 625 canvas shifts. They say nearly 45,000 voter contacts in the last four days of the campaign. And one of the things that Republicans have traditionally done better than Democrats is get out the vote efforts. Well, this was perhaps a little bit of a different thing. You had Eric Holder's national group spending more than $500,000 on ads and turnout. You had Biden, um, you had Cory Booker, all these people, you know, supporting uh, the liberal candidate. And in this case, it, it worked. So after after that, Scott Walker comes out and he sends out a tweet. He says, tonight, referring to the election's results, show we are at risk of a blue wave in Wisconsin. The far left is driven by anger and hatred, we must counter it with optimism and organization. Let's share our positive story with voters and win in November. And then you know, those tweets were followed by a fundraising email sent out uh, yesterday saying, look, the anger of the left could sweep everybody out of office in November and undo all of our reforms. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let us have an honest conversation. Should Republicans be worried in Wisconsin coming into November? You know, there has been in Wisconsin, the Republicans have in general, I think with, you know, a couple exceptions, maybe the election, the re-election of Barack Obama in 2012. But in general, I think the Republican Party has been on a roll in Wisconsin Oh, for the better part of the last decade or so. So is that coming to an end? Is the anger of the left, is the motivation a lot greater than the motivation of Republicans? And can it be turned around? Is Walker right? Is there the danger of a blue wave unless something happens? Or do you view this election as just, well, it's kind of an aberration, nothing to see here? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you this, while Gru is lining up the calls, I, I think the governor is absolutely right. And I think a lot of Republican strategists need to be rethinking what they're going to be doing over the course of the next six to seven months. I'm not saying this isn't something that can't be turned around, but if you ignore it, I think it would be foolish.
Are we on the verge of a blue wave? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss next. It's 1242. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Wisconsin. is America's dairy land. We're also a worldwide leader when it comes to producing ginseng. The root is just the latest target in the ongoing tariff war. Gene Miller takes a look at the possible impact. Tune in 751 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. Look, I, I understand a lot of a lot of people... When we talk politics on this show, and it's not always about politics, but but you want reaffirmation. You don't want somebody on the radio like me saying, hey, there's things to be worried about. You want me to tell you that everything is okay. Well, if you are a Republican supporter, if you are a conservative, everything is not okay. There are all these warning signs on the horizon, and Governor Walker is ringing an alarm bell. I think he's absolutely right. Dan in Ottawa. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. I, I believe that uh, Governor Walker is in trouble my, I, uh, myself. Uh, he has angered the sportsman slash outdoor community beyond repair. And um, I voted for Walker, but I will not be voting for him again. So. Uh, okay, now i got to ask you, your, your big issue is like sportsmen and stuff, and you're not going to be voting for Walker? No, wow. not vote for him again. Okay, well... Um, I guess I, I do have to ask, do you think that the alternative, whoever that may be, is going to be better? I think Governor Walker has burned and angered way too many uh, people. Um, he's done a lot of damage to the DNR and environmental mm-hmm. protection, and that's high on my list. Okay. And I'm a conservative, and he has... Uh, damage beyond repair, in, in my opinion. Okay, all right. Thanks. Okay. I, I was kind of wondering, because normally... Um, sportsmen and shooting enthusiasts uh, are, are going to be, you know, supporting the governor. I guess I don't want to make this specifically about the governor. I, I want to talk about, in general, you know, re- Republicans and, and how do you deal with this? I mean, candidly, I mean, I think Scott Walker, if I were advising him, you know, would, would run, he's going to run on his own merits. I mean, he is a known commodity, but I do think. You know, you look at whether it's Scott Walker or Brad Schimmel or any Republicans up and down the ballot, whoever ends up challenging Tammy Baldwin, what you see is an energized opposition that at least in these April races were able to better organize, identify, and get out their voters. Now, if that continues to play out in uh, November, well, you, you could be looking at, at a wave. Um, 414-799-1620 is a number. Let's talk to Terry in Iron Ridge. Terry, you're at WTMJ. Hello. Hi there. Hi, Terry. Okay. I think the reason that this last election were once again surprised is because the the way Trump does things is by the state of his pants. There's no agenda. There's nothing. Uh, we can't seem to follow his thinking. So the way that we're getting used to how we deal with things is how the Democrats are going to move into this because it's all feeling. There's no platform. There's no place that we work from. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, we're getting used to the, oh, what's going to happen now kind of feeling. Not that I am, right. but I, I think people in general are at least, at least recognizing this not set, being unsettled feel mm-hmm. about how to do things. Right, kind of careening from one issue to another. Exactly. And so they're getting used to that. So this, you know, uh, 
this new election that what we just did and uh, the Dallas winning goes along with the, was this an anomaly? No, it's not. This is how it's going to go. Because it gets, it gets people excited about different ways of thinking. I'm not saying they're right, but it's, it's a way of looking at things now because of our president and how he does things. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, I, I, thanks for calling. I mean, I think, look, and, I, and I've said this before. I have seen several wave elections just in the last decade or, or so. Um, 2008, that was the Obama year. Um, people were tired of President Bush. Now, I, I, again, it's not an awkward, but collectively, America was, you had war fatigue. There were people that were just tired. And then along comes Barack Obama with the hope and change thing and the first you know, African-American president, all that. And people were running through walls to try to vote for him. And, and that's that's what you saw. It was a wave election. Now, after that, people quickly became disenchanted with Barack Obama, at least his policies. Barack Obama was always personally popular. You saw that in 2008 and 2012. But his policies and the Democrats who supported them, well, they they weren't able to translate Obama's personal popularity. And so that's why, you know, you had wave elections in many respects, 2010, 2014 were Republican wave elections where it was the Republicans who were motivated to go out and vote, and they were voting against anybody that had a D after their name because they wanted to, quote-unquote, send that message to Barack Obama that they didn't like the Obama policies. And Obama's personal popularity did not translate. That's why you had Democrats losing seats massively all across the country. What was it? Like between federal and state seats, there were like 900 or something like that. Well, now I think you have stuff starting to turn around. You have the left, which is incredibly motivated. You saw that with the Dalit stuff. And I think you have Republicans who've kind of lost that motivation, lost that excitement. And the, the challenge for guys like Scott Walker, whoever the Republican Senate nominee is, again in Wisconsin, is going to be, how do you get that message out and how do you get that enthusiasm? How do you motivate people to, to get out and, and vote to be willing to run through walls to vote for you? In the recall election in 2012, I mean, people were motivated. The people that voted for Scott Walker, they, they were motivated. They were, you know, you could have had a massive blizzard and people would have crawled through that snowstorm to vote because they were so upset about, you know, the efforts to hijack government by that recall. Well, all right, I wonder if the left now has that sort of motivation. And that's that's the challenge that's going to be out there. And you, you fight it, yes, with TV ads and things like that, but you also fight it, you know, on the ground. And this race, that is that Supreme Court race on Tuesday, I think was an example, and it doesn't happen very often, where the Democrats were able to out-organize and had a much better get-out-the-vote effort than the Republicans did. And again, I, I understand it's a non it's a nonpartisan Supreme Court race, but it really wasn't. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Keith in Germantown. Keith, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. I'm very well, thank you. What do you think? Um, I think that there's uh, there's a, a something to the pendulum that swings right and then swings left. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with, you know, the, the fatigue that uh, we felt with Bush and right. why, you know, there was a Democratic wave and then some of the policies 
died. I personally am Republican. I've interned for a Republican congressman here in the state, and uh, I think the only Democrat I voted for was uh, Sheriff Clark when I lived in uh, right. Milwaukee going to school. Um, not only should Republicans be wary of that that blue wave, but Republicans who are fed up with their uh, representative. I personally have voted for Walker three times. I'll never vote for him again. Now tell me why. Uh, tell me why. Um, I agree with your first caller about uh, the the sportsman, the, the things that he's done with the DNR, how he's voted for um, with his campaign uh, book, uh, bank, mm-hmm. and gotten the assemblymen and state senators to to cowtail to uh, his his agenda. I just I I'm not liking it. Okay. Um, I and you know, on a national level, the the nation didn't agree with some of his things. Um, he was really riding on that recall, getting his name nationally known, and they just weren't buying into him. And and I just, I, I honestly don't think that there's anybody on the Republican ticket this time around that I'm really willing to vote for. But of course, you don't. Wait, but you're talking. You don't know who's going to be running as a Democrat. No, I don't, but I do know that there are a few individuals uh, uh, that are already come out on, on the on the uh, on the um, governor ticket. But I, I know Glenn Grossman, um, hey. somebody from my hometown, is he's he's worried about his reelectability. And um, well, I mean, candidly, Keith, thanks. I mean, can't, I mean, I, I think I, I think the the message for. Any Republican office holder who is up for re-election this year and, and any Republican supporter and anybody who thinks that, you know, what's going on in the state of Wisconsin over the last six, seven, eight years has been a positive, I, I think they, they need to be wary. I think that that's a good word for it because you, you do you look at what has happened over the last couple months and I get what's frustrating to me is I get some of these memos from people saying, "Well, you shouldn't talk about this. You know, you, you shouldn't. This is this is nothing. And what happens in an April, you know, nonpartisan thing has you know doesn't necessarily play out. Doesn't have doesn't play out in November. And and yeah, I, I I get that. But at the same time, if you don't understand something that's going on, then then you just completely miss miss the boat." And I think the governor's right when he talks about a wave. And I think, for example, the governor has an incredible story to tell. I mean, you, we, unemployment in the state is 2.9%, for goodness sakes. That's almost, the reality is anybody in Wisconsin who wants a job could probably get a job. Maybe it's not the ultimate job they want, but you can probably get a job. You look at the money that's being put back into education. You look at all these things, and Wisconsin is doing really, really, really well. But that at the same time... You know, doesn't necessarily overcome people who are just sort of blinded by the, well, you know, we don't like Trump or we don't like this, so we're going to vote no. That's the challenge, and that's something that's going to be interesting that we will talk about over the course of the next several months. A trade war with China, good idea, and now she's fighting back after she got fired for flipping off the president. Is that the right thing to do? Stick around. It's 1257. 
It's 109, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, sometime this hour and sometime next hour. We're welcoming back baseball. Giving away a, I will be giving away a four-pack of tickets. Go see the Brewers play the Florida Marlins on Saturday night, April 21st, and a $50 gift card courtesy of our friends and sponsors at MelvinMulch.com. All right. Well, you knew this was going to perhaps happen. You may remember the story of Julie Brixman, 50-year-old woman who um, lived in Northern Virginia, lives in Northern Virginia, and worked for a, a business that deals with government contractors. Government contractors, actually, the business is called Ekema LLC. It oversees government contractors. Um, she'd been employed as a marketing analyst there. So last October, she's she's riding her bicycle um, in the area of the Trump National Golf Course in Sterling, Virginia, which, again, it's northern Virginia. As a fleet, this is the way it's described, as a fleet of about a half a dozen vehicles, a motorcade, started to roll slowly past her. She thought briefly of cutting between the cars and riding away. Instead, she made a spontaneous gesture. Um, she figures this is the Trump motorcade, and what she does is she raises her hand and waves her fingers, except she's only waving one finger. All right? She flips the bird to the presidential motorcade. She says, honestly, my blood started boiling at that purse point when I saw the motorcade. I saw somebody holding a newspaper. I assume the president was in there. She said, I was angry. I was angry about steps taken by the Trump administration, including health insurance and deportations. Um, earlier, she had learned through news reports that Trump was playing golf in the area. I just got angry. I lifted my arm and started flipping him off. I started thinking, you're golfing again when there is so much going on right now. She kept her arm up. So this wasn't just a quick bird. This was a lengthy bird. She kept her arm up until the rest of the fleet passed. And then she repeated the gesture a second time when the cars came to a stop and she caught up. So not simply satisfied with making the one obscene gesture, she had to catch up to the motorcade and do it again. She said she locked eyes with a man inside who she thought was a Secret Service agent and then held the gaze of another man, but then the cars moved past her and drove away. She says, I didn't see him, that would be the president, but he was the target. All right. Well, what happened is somebody um, riding along the motorcade um, caught this image and took a picture of her making the obscene gesture. And then they they posted it online. Um, It then, I hate the phrase, went viral because that's such a cliche, but it went viral. And uh, this lady, the, the flipper, as it were, said she became aware of the photograph the next day when an anti-Trump Facebook group posted the the picture and said, who is this? And then she said, hey, I realized this was me. Then it started the ball rolling. She said that she then started tracking how many times the photograph was shared, and she realized, this is me kind of translating, that this was kind of her 15 minutes of fame. She was watching this. Oh, that's a picture of me all over. Um, by the following Monday, um, she then took this picture, and she posted it on her Facebook and her Twitter accounts. This is me. I'm the one making the obscene gesture at the president's motorcade. Neither of her, either her Twitter or Facebook accounts identified her as the employee of this company. But, you know, it was her. 
And she says, okay, so then I decide maybe I, I should go into human resources and tell them that, hey, th- this is me. She said, I went in and I said, have you heard about this bike woman? And the human resources person said, no. And she said, you're going to have to look it up. And then she said, hey, it, it's me. She says two days later, she gets called into a meeting with human resources and company executives, and they say, we have chosen to fire you. Um, they said, you know, we've got this social media policy ban on obscene conduct. Um, she said that she was told that uh, the company's code of conduct she wasn't meeting, and officials feared that what she did could hurt business because their work was related to government contracts. Okay, so, you know, they they fired her for doing this. She has now sued, got lawyers. She's saying that they were company was not within its rights to fire her. This is a violation of her free speech right, and she should be entitled to her job back. All right, let's tee this up. 414-799 or money damages or lots of money for being wrongfully terminated. Let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The woman makes an obscene gesture at the presidential motorcade. The story goes viral. The picture is all over. She embraces this. She is proud of it. She decides that she is going to own this and then outs herself. I am this lady. Her employer finds out about it, and her employer fires her. Should the employer have the right? And that's what the question is. Should the employer have the right to fire her, or you know, is she being wrongfully terminated for exercising her free speech rights? I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a minute. But what do you think? She made. She was on her own time. She used her own Twitter and Facebook accounts to own this, so it's not like she posted it on the company website. Was the employer within its rights in letting her go? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We discuss next. It's one fifteen. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's one eighteen. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, the woman who was fired last October for making an obscene gesture at the president's motorcade and then owning it. I mean, and then reveling in it. This was her fifteen minutes of fame. She's now filing a lawsuit saying, "Hey, I they violated my First Amendment freedom of speech rights." Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with Sandy and Oshkosh. Sandy, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Um, what do you think about this? Well, I think that when you work for a company, you represent that company, and you have to abide by the company's policies. And if their policy is that there are certain restrictions on what you post on social media, then she should have to follow them. Mm-hmm. And if she did not comply with it, she should be fired. Uh, I work here for Aurora Healthcare in Oshkosh. And I've been told uh, that whenever I put something on social media, it should be in accordance with company's policies, what company represents. Right. I understand I'm a doctor, I'm, I have a bigger job, but, and I do represent Aurora. But still, even if she has a smaller job, she still represents the company, though. And you cannot go against company's policy. And so your policy, in your social media policy at Aurora, it applies even if you're using your own Facebook page or your own Twitter account, even if it has nothing to do with, you're not on company time, but if you decide to post something that's incredibly controversial or maybe obscene or whatever, you you could be disciplined for that. I could be because I will give you an example. I originally come from India, 
and uh, cricket is a big game over there. Right. A few years ago, we had this cricket match between India and Pakistan, and whenever that match is there, it's like a game between Packers and Bears, even like 100 <laughs> times more more emotions in that than between Packers and Bears. Huh. So anyway... Um, really? Cricket generates... Cr- i got to stop you there. Cricket generates that kind of emotion, huh? Oh, yes. <laughs> I- I'm telling you, it's like Third World War when India and Pakistan play each other. Huh. So <laughs> anyway, I posted something and uh, against Pakistan, and luckily the president of the hospital is my friend, and he saw it. He's my Facebook friend, too. And he immediately messaged me, Sandy, you should take it off. This is not right. And uh, this is against the rural policies. And which huh. I took down right away. Huh. Interesting. Um, well, see, who, who could have thought that cricket would cause that kind of controversy, huh? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a very big game. Oh, no. <laughs> it's one game in India, yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, th- th- no, thanks for the call, Doctor. And I, I appreciate the perspective. But, yeah, that's – see, that uh, to me – to me, the fact that you are on your own time doesn't doesn't matter to the extent that you know you are a representative of of your company. Um, now she doesn't perhaps have the same profile that that a doctor at Aurora does, or that say I do. But let let us say, for the sake of argument, that I decide to lose my mind one day and send off a series on on my personal. On my personal Twitter account or my personal email or, or whatever, I decide, and I don't have a personal Twitter account because, but, I, my, but let's just, let us assume for the sake of argument that I had a personal Twitter account. Um, or alternatively, I decide to start posting things on somebody else's Facebook page on my own time um, using my personal email account, not my station email account. And, and those things are. I, I don't know, offensive or embarrassing or, or whatever. Um, yeah, do, do I think that there could be disciplinary action taken? Absolutely, because you are, in many respects, a representative of the company. This woman had a right to do what she did, okay? But then she decided to embrace it. She wanted to enjoy her 15 minutes of fame. And I guess, in my opinion, that's just the consequences for your action. Elaine in Brookfield. Elaine, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Um, I agree. I think the company has every right to fire her. She, in essence, not only flipped off the presidential motorcade or what she thought was the presidential motorcade, but she went to her HR person and essentially flipped off the company by telling them, this is me. I did it. I mean... Right. Well, right. Because well, right. she embraced it. See, it's not that. That's the. That's the thing. She. She yeah. clearly got a thrill out of this. Once she yeah. saw that this story was again going viral, she could have just been quiet about it. Nobody would have known it was her. But she decided. All right, I'm going to publicize this. I'm going to post this picture on all my social media stuff, and I'm going to say, "World, this is who I am. Look at it. I'm proud of what I did. I got no sympathy for her. I really don't." <laughs> No, then she should be proud of what she did and own the consequences. Right, I- I- exactly. No, thanks. For, and I guess that's that's where I, I come down on this. It, it is, and these are some of the dangers of social media. Did she have a right to do it? Yes, she had a right to do it. But I think at the same time, you need to realize that there are going to be consequences for your various actions, and you take that risk when you do it. 
Let's talk to Gussie in Milwaukee. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi. This is Gussie. Yes, ma'am. Um, yes. Um, so, yeah, I disagree. I, I disagree with everything. Um, she embraced it. She publicized it. And she needs to suffer the consequences from her job, from her um, employer. But um, as far as the motorcade thing, you know, as my mom used to tell me, you know, don't don't drag it on or don't don't elevate it. And that's exactly what she did. Yeah, I, I right. That's the right. That's the thing. I mean, I, I look. I, I get it. She has a right to do it, you know. And, and we can argue about whether or not that was that was rude or crude or whatever. But yeah, you you got like you say, you got to own it. You know, once you do it, you you own it. Yeah, and then with the president and his offenses that he's made, he's made. I mean, I think it's okay to just throw up the middle finger at the president. <laughs> right. Well, and and that and and Gussie, thanks for see. I and I am not denying your right. To, to make an obscene gesture at the president or to somebody said, I would have mooned him. You know, okay, well, I, I'm not denying anybody's right to do that. But if you make that decision to do it, then what you have to do is you have to own the consequences of, of doing it. And in this case, she, she embraced the attention. She clearly loved the fact that, you know, Stephen Colbert was talking about her. Hey, this is, this is me. She embraced all that. Go with God. That's great. You got that. But don't be surprised then when, you know, on the other side, you've got this company that works with government contracts and supervises, um, you know, government contractors. And now they are identified with one of their employees being this person who's embracing making obscene gestures at the president's motorcade. Okay, well, right, maybe that's not the best career move if you keep wanting to keep working at that company. Now, by the way, I don't have too much sympathy for her because my guess is. She not only got her 15 minutes of fame out of this, but also, yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of places that would have loved, 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 loved to have hired her. So, you know, what really are her damages? We'll see how this lawsuit plays out. It's 126. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey, when we come back, well, I want to talk to you. I've got a story about Disney, and at least for one lady, she says Disney was not the most magical place in the world. Before that, though, before that, though, we're running a promotion this week and the next couple weeks. Welcome back, baseball. Do we have the music? There we go. Can't do this without the music. I've got a four-pack of tickets to see the Brewers and the Florida Marlins play April 21st, plus a $50 gift card courtesy of MelvinMulch.com. Caller number 12, the 414-799-1620. Caller number 12 is my guest to the Brewers and the Florida Marlins on April 21st. It's 126. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, we have our winner for the ticket giveaway this hour, but because, well, it seems like the weather, it's closer to Christmas than it is to the 4th of July. I, I'm feeling, I am feeling magnanimous. It is Santa Jeff. We're going to be giving away another four pack of tickets and another $50 gift card in the two o'clock hour of today's program. Normally I only have one giveaway, but today I've got two. And so we'll be doing that. So you have another chance to win those tickets. Um, with the defending champion, Central Division champion Cubs in town for four game set, Greg Matzik wants to know what the overall advantage the Brewers hold over the North Siders. He gives his take and here's yours tonight on Sports Central at 6.07. Belinda Babinick, do you know what a V-log is? you know what V-loggers are? No, I don't, actually. Okay, all right, good. Crew, you know, give me the millennia. Do you know what, a, you know what V-loggers are? 
Vlogger. Oh, yeah. vloggers. Vlogger, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Video, video blogger. Right. Vloggers. Okay, got it. All right. Well, we were talking about this woman in Northern Virginia who got her 15 minutes of fame by making the obscene gesture at the president's motorcade. I've got a story about vloggers, vloggers, video bloggers, whatever. They're seeking their 15 minutes of fame involving something that happened between them and the Disney Cruise Line. It's 135, Jeff Wagner, WCMJ, vlogger, vlogger. That's, that's, it's a video blogger, vlogger. So these are people that are too lazy to write, essentially. So they just film what they do. Bruce says they, they surely write like an outline. Why do you think that? I mean, so instead of like actually sitting down and like putting something together and then having to edit and stuff, they just they film themselves. All right. OK. Anyhow, there is a, a family of these vloggers, these vloggers. Um, they call themselves the Jackson Hive. Now, the, the whole family is is part of this, not the Jackson Five, but the Jackson Hive. They, they live in Missouri. So here's, here's the story. The, the family and extended family, it's like nine of them, book a cruise on one of the Disney princess cruises, one of the Disney magic ships. Okay, so they're going to take the family. And you're talking about your mom and dad and granddad and some of the kids. So, so there's nine of them. So they fly from St. Louis to Miami. Actually, there's 10, including the, the woman that's involved here. So they stay overnight in the hotel. They get to the terminal. And once they get to the terminal, um, they are refused passage. Because here's the deal. Disney Cruise Lines and most cruise lines have a policy where people who are over 24 weeks pregnant are not allowed on their cruise ships. And I, I think, I mean, the rationale is, well, you know, we, we don't, we don't, if something goes wrong and you're in the middle of wherever, it's going to be a problem. So Disney, together with all sorts of, and I think this is kind of standard in the industry, if you're over 24 weeks pregnant, you are not allowed to cruise. And they, they disclose this all over. I mean, it's in the website, it's in the brochures. People 24 weeks over, are, uh, more than 24 weeks pregnant, are not supposed to cruise. The woman apparently has a, a letter or a certificate from her doctor saying that it's okay. She she can she she's not in a health she's not a health risk. Okay, but but the policy is the policy. So she she's got that. So you know she shows up. They notice that she is pregnant. They ask her uh, about this. And she tells them, yeah, I'm in my 25th week. I'm 25 weeks pregnant. Disney Cruise Line says, I'm sorry, you, you can't travel. You, you, you can't go on, on this cruise because this is our policy. She says, well, my, my doctor says it's okay. They say it doesn't matter. Our, our policy is you, you can't travel. She says, I tell you what, I will sign any document you giving, waiving any, give me waiving any liability. Give me a waiver of liability. I agree that if I go out there and I get sick or something happens, um, it's not going to be your responsibility. They say, no, we, we can't, we, we can't do that. You know, it's, we're not going to do that. Our policy is, you know, 24 weeks or less, you can cruise. 
more than 24 weeks, you can't. So the, the lady, now she's there. She's got all, she's got the kids, the extended family, etc. Um, she, these, these people are vloggers, vloggers, vloggers. Um, and, and they're now Disney is telling them they can't get on this cruise. So now out come all the cell phones and they start filming the, the Disney people. The dad, in this case, the woman's father, um, he's into a kind of heated argument. Now you don't see this on the, the videos. But he's into a heated argument. What do you mean my daughter can't get on this cruise? You're blah, 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 blah. And they're saying, no, you, you can't. So the dad is creating this disturbance. And the, the, the cruise, where you go on the cruise, it's in like the Miami Port Authority. So it's sort of like the, the airport. You know, you have the, the security at the airport is county sheriffs and maybe federal air marshals and stuff like that. Um, in Miami, when you're getting on a cruise, it's the port authority, and the the security at the port authority is, is understandably significant, you know, because you know they, they've got concerns to the point that the security people they're they're armed. I mean, the security people, um, the, the law enforcement people at the at the port at the port authority, they are they they carry they carry like AR fifteen style. Firearms and they're all, they got bulletproof vests and stuff because they're you know that's how they deal with stuff. So the dad, this would be the father of this woman who's not allowed on the uh, thing. He's arguing with the people. You should let her on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And finally, they say, "Look, enough is enough. You, you, you can't get on this. We're sorry, but she doesn't qualify. You're going to have to go back to the hotel." And he says, "Well, you know, we we already put our luggage in. Well, we'll get your luggage back to you, but you got to knock this off." The dad decides he's not going to knock this off. They call the security, the port authority. So now all these cell phones come out, and these guys that are armed to the teeth, you know, with the bulletproof vests and all that, you know, they come out and they say, hey, you're going to have to leave the, the, the building. You know, we'll, we'll make arrangements to get your luggage back, but you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to leave. Now the, this family, they've got all the cell phones out, and they're filming this, and the Disney people are like just they're, they're kind of like smiling at all this, and there's one of the Disney security people who are saying, no, I'm sorry, you, you have to leave. We can't help you on this thing. You cannot get on the boat. So now the story that is out there, and I, I got it out of the Miami Herald, but it, it's all over, and you'll probably see it on some news show today, is this, this woman who is just absolutely outraged. A, and the headline is, a terrible Disney experience. Pregnant vlogger, vlogger, kicked off the cruise. It wasn't the happiest cruise on earth for one Missouri family. Pregnant mother of two, Emily Jackson, assumed that because her doctor had cleared her to take a Disney magic cruise out of Port Miami last week, she was good to go. She wasn't. And she's uh, Jackson, who is 25 weeks along, tweeted about her traumatizing travel experience. Um, she says, look, I, I'm waiving liability. I've got the doctor's excuse. Um, she said, this is just, this is just terrible. They, they wouldn't let me, they wouldn't let me on the boat. And on top of that, you know, when, when, you know, we, we got thrown out of the port by guys that were carrying machine guns or, you know, assault type of weapons. All right, let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I... While Gru is lining up the calls, I will give you my perspective. Feel free to agree or disagree. I got no sympathy for this lady. I, I mean, to me, this is one of these stunts. I, look, I, I have no love loss for Disney one way or, or the other. and I've never been on a Disney cruise. But the rules are really clear. 
If you're more than 24 weeks pregnant, you can't go on the cruise. She didn't say she didn't know about that. She's got a doctor's certificate. The doctor says, in his opinion, it's okay. The cruise line doesn't give a rat's rump about that. The cruise line is concerned about liability. They're worried about if something happens to her when they're in the middle of wherever they are. That is their rule. All right? I don't think it's an unreasonable rule, and they're clear about it. She gets down there. She's more than 24 weeks pregnant. They say you can't get on. Her father throws a hissy fit to the point that they've got to call security. The security at the Port Authority are people that are armed in this fashion. I'm not I'm not sympathetic to this woman. 414-799-1620, and I think Disney is getting a bad rap. What do you think? We discuss next. It's 143. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 147, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's start with Mike on the south side. Mike, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I've been on five cruises myself, and I'm just so sick and tired of people causing a stink after they know the policy and get there and something goes amiss like this. The ship doesn't, the company doesn't want to take the liability of a pregnant woman uh, having them on their ship. You know, every, the problem is, is twofold. The business doesn't want the bad publicity nowadays, and everybody has a voice through social media. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting sick and tired of everybody voicing their opinion on social media. The people were in the wrong. The business was in the right, but it's going to look bad for the business now. Well, right, and it, this, this is Disney that doesn't care about a pregnant woman. And, and I, my understanding is that the, the Disney policy is not unique in the industry. And it's because, again, I, I, I'm not a cruise ship guy. I'm going to my first I'm doing a river cruise, you know, in, in October. But, I, I mean, I can understand that. You're in the middle of the Caribbean. Even if she signed a waiver of liability, if she starts to miscarry or something, they can't ignore that. I mean, you know, they're, they're going to have to divert the ship or bring in a helicopter, do, do whatever it is that they do. They just don't want to run that risk. And I don't think that's an unreasonable point for the cruise ship line to take. It isn't. It's a private company. They created the policy based on liability and their attorneys, and I'm fine with that policy. Right. And then, of course, when they show up, and, you know, they're, they're told you can't get on. This is you're in violation of the policy. Then you create the stink. All right. To the point that security has to get involved. And then it's like, oh, you know, they Disney had armed security people. Well, it's the Port Authority people that come out. And yes, they happen to walk around and they have nasty looking guns. But, you know, that that's just what they're equipped with. You know, when you're providing security at, in this case, the Port of Miami. Absolutely. And when you go on your cruise, before you get on, there's hundreds of people waiting in an area. It's not that pleasant. you got to put up with it, check in. You're moving your luggage around. That's not a time to create a stink and become disorderly with all those people around. Right. No, thanks for calling. And I, I think I, I get kind of the sense, like I say, I've watched the video or some of the videos of this, and it, it, it start, starts to take come in after the fact a little bit. But I, I do get the sense that this was – this had been going on for a while, and it's exactly the point that you were talking about where I, I think that there's all these other people that kind of want to get on the cruise, and you know, they're, they're, the line is stopped because there's at least one agent, now one supervisor, who's explaining, we don't care if you've got a note from your doctor. We don't care if you know, you're willing to sign a waiver of liability. You're more than 24 weeks pregnant, and, and we just don't let people who are more than 24 weeks pregnant on the cruise Sorry, um, we'll we'll refund your money. Let's talk to Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, Hi. she knew on the front side what she was getting into. I mean, it was foolish for her to come in there. And you know, where do you draw the line? Well, she's only a week over. We'll let her on the next time. Somebody's twenty six weeks. They 
Yeah, she's only two years. Why even have the rule then? And if she knew this going in, frankly, why didn't she just tell him she was twenty three weeks pregnant? How would they have known? <laughs> right, yeah, just yeah, I, right. I, see I see I wonder if if this is all part of this let's try to get attention stuff because you you manufacture this issue and then now we're all going to be around, we're all going to be filming this, and you know now we're going to have all these views on our different thing because you know, we're going to get all this attention. I mean, I, I really do wonder if sometimes people do this stuff because they want their 15 minutes of fame. Good point. Yeah, no, thank, no, thank, thanks. I mean, I, again, I, I, I mean, because immediately as soon as this happens, you know, all the cell phones come out, and now we're videoing, oh, oh, look, you've got the... We've got people, you know, with military-style weapons who are throwing my poor family out. Well, all right, I mean, well, here's what Disney says about it. Disney says, we understand our guests' disappointment with not being able to board the ship. For health and safety reasons, our policy does not allow women who have reached the 24th week of pregnancy to travel. This policy is consistent with other cruise lines, and it is noted on our website in our, and in our travel documents our guests receive before sailing. The Miami-Dade Police Department and the Port Authority is responsible for security at the port, and they handled the situation as they felt appropriate given the guests' actions. So you throw a hissy fit, you know, at the, the Port Authority. You create a disturbance, and, yeah, they're going to come and they're going to usher you out. And, yes, these people, you know, carry scary-looking guns. Sorry, you know, you're the one that precipitated this in the first place. Wally in Milwaukee. Wally, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, you're in the air. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more with uh, with the last two callers. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I, I would even take it one step further. I, I mean, this woman knew the rules. Yep. And why are they, why are they refunding her her money because somebody else could have taken her position on that cruise that now they're refunding her money to when clearly she knew what the rules were ahead of time. I mean, I'm so fed up with this social media where people think that because they pull out their cell phones that all of a sudden that they, they have a case of something. It's well, ridiculous. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, thanks for calling. Again, I don't – look, I, I don't know where this 24 weeks comes from. I mean, and I, and I don't know if – I don't know why they've picked 24 weeks as opposed to 28 weeks or 20 weeks or, or whatever. I mean, I assume what that would be, that would be you're starting your third trimester. But but that that's their policy, and it's a consistent policy across the in, industry. They tell everybody about this up front. Well, I, I guess – I don't know. Um, does that mean that, gee, you, you should make an exception for me? Steve in Menominee Falls. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I was on the borderline on this. I kind of sided with the woman thinking, I mean, it's not like she's eight and a half months pregnant. What's 24, right. 25? They should have just had common sense that they wanted. But your comment about the um, the whole videotape and the whole thing like that, that kind of struck a chord that maybe I'd have to switch my vote. I guess what we're telling me is when did they actually book the cruise? If they booked it like seven, eight months ago before they knew she was pregnant, I guess that's one thing I would side with her then that she didn't know she'd be in that 24-, 25-week area. They already paid their money, that sort of thing. So that's why it would sway me, but uh, it, it is yeah. too close. Too much yeah. of a, they had the paper ready and all that kind of stuff. But the guy before was right. She could have just said, hey, I'm 23 weeks. They're not going to press her if someone find out, you know. Right. So, uh, yeah, I guess, I. and to answer your question, I don't know how long ago they, they booked the cruise. There's no question that they knew about this this policy um, because again the 
the woman had had talked to her doctor and had gotten a clearance from the doctor to go and, and said that they were willing to waive it. So I don't and and, and I don't think anybody's saying, well, we didn't know about this because um, Disney makes a point saying it, it's disclosed. Um, and I, I didn't see anything there saying, hey, we tried to cancel this in advance and Disney wouldn't give us our money back or anything like that. I I don't think this was that. I think this was just a simple situation of, you know, we don't think this rule should apply to us and how terrible this is. And then, you know, they wouldn't let us on. Here's Disney. This is this magical family thing. They've just destroyed our family vacation. And look, you know, you've got these Gestapo-type tactics. You've got the guys, you know, again, with the automatic weapons that are coming out. And and for Disney's perspective, saying, look, that's not us. This is you created a disturbance. We call the cops. This is how the cops show up. None of this would have happened if you wouldn't have created the disturbance in the first place. Everybody's looking for their 15 minutes. And I seriously... Maybe I'm the complete contrarian on this, but I looked at this story and I'm thinking, I, I, I almost wonder if this family decided to try to manipulate the situation to try to get as much attention as they possibly could. And I wouldn't be surprised at that. 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey, coming up in the next hour of the program, a number of things, a, a local area hospital decides to cut back. John Kasich is in North, New Hampshire and... Be careful when you cut into that lasagna. It's a great story. 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two ten, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I as you look back on this state's politics, it is impossible to understate what a political force of nature. Former Governor Tommy Thompson was, and, and I, I, I understand that the further we get removed from the, the Thompson years, the, the more people might forget about this. But, but Tommy Thompson was elected. He, he was the he was in the assembly. He was the speaker of the assembly. He was elected governor in 1986. He beat the current the former governor at the time, Tony Earle. Um, and one of the I still it, it's one of these legendary ads in in wisconsin political history tony tony earl had come up with this idea of like we needed to build a prison he wanted to build it right by county stadium and i I can still from it was it was just an incredibly stupid idea and it backfired tony earl ended up losing so so governor thompson tommy wins in 86 he gets reelected in 90 and 94 and 98 um i ran for attorney general in 94 so i was traveling around the state with tommy thompson a lot and the guy, it was he was an amazing campaigner, and and it it showed. I mean, he, Tommy Thompson was. Oh gosh, I'd have to look up the ex- exact margins of victory. But but th- those years, I mean, he, he was getting sixty plus percent of, of the vote. It was just, it was incredible, especially when you look at how polarizing, you know, um, how polarizing things have have become. Let me see. Let me pull up this exact uh, thing. Okay, when he was first elected. Fifty-two percent. His second election in 1990, he won with 58 percent of the vote. 1994, Tommy Thompson won with 67 percent of the vote, which is, and this is a republic. It was just absolutely unheard of. And then when he was reelected for the fourth time in 98, he still got 59, round up, he got 60% of the vote. 60% of the vote. That is absolutely unheard of. Now think about Wisconsin politics now. Can you imagine either a Republican or a Democrat getting 60 or 67% of the vote? It just, 
it doesn't happen. And it just, it underscores what a force of nature Tommy Thompson was. I, I can remember, and I can remember being on this bus with him, and you would pull into some small town in the middle of nowhere. And, and, and he would get out, and he, he knew he knew every bowling alley and every bar and every city hall. It was just amazing. And then he'd walk in, and, and he just he'd talk to people. And, and actually, the dynamic was such that he could spend 15 minutes there, and word of mouth was such that by, by the time the day had, had passed, it was almost like and everybody had talked to, to the governor. And it was just an incredible force of nature and um, also an innovator. I mean, it just welfare reform and things like that. And I, I mean, I think there are, looking back, there are criticisms you could have of the Thompson administration. And I think one of the reasons why he he was able to rack up these big numbers was because um, they did a lot of giveaways to public employee unions that would normally be opponents. But, you know, they gave away a lot of stuff, and that led to a lot of the mess that we had 10 years later. But but anyhow, I have the greatest respect for Governor Thompson. Um he went on. He was the secretary of um, you know health and human services during the first Bush term, and you know came back and ran for Senate uh, when Tammy Baldwin was up and was running and six years ago and, and, and lost that. But you know now he's on corporate boards and things like that. But you know it, it's I have the greatest respect for him, and I think you always have to when when Thompson talks, you have to listen because again he he was just he was a political dynamo like. We, I don't know if we'd ever seen before in Wisconsin, and I don't know that we're ever going to see again. I cannot imagine, certainly in my lifetime, I can't imagine another candidate racking up 67% of the vote in a statewide race for, for governor. I, I bring this up because um, eh, the story, it, it's just breaking now. He's participating in this kind of think tank conversation up in, in Rib Mountain, Um it's the celebration of the 10th anniversary of the Wisconsin Institute of Public Policy and, and Service. So he's on this panel with Donna Shalala, who um, used to be the um, used to be the, the head of, of UW Madison, um, former chancellor. So he, he, he's and, and Tommy he, he does have he's never been shy about saying what he he thinks. Sometimes it gets him in trouble. This was the um, the most notable thing is during the Miller Park debate. He's on some of like Harley ride up north and the the, the Miller Park was going to be paid for by the five county sales tax and and yet you know state legislators had to vote for it and his his big point was hey you know what do you care this isn't going to affect you stick it to Milwaukee you know which is like okay you know maybe that wouldn't have been the best thing to say but it, it was it was Tommy at his finest so anyhow he's he's at this discussion this panel discussion um with Donna Shalala and he gets to talking about President Trump. I think this was this morning. All right, so here's what he says. He says he supports Trump's ideas. However, the president hurts himself with the way he communicates. The governor says Trump should throw the tweet out the window and take a Dale Carnegie course on public dis- diplomacy. All right? He's, this, and this is, the, this is the money quote right here. This is Governor Thompson, former Governor Thompson. He's a bully, and the president should not be a bully. Um, actually, this was a panel discussion yesterday. The story's just breaking. He's a bully, and the president should not be a bully. All right. One segment, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
All right, is Tommy Thompson on to something, or was this comment sort of like, stick it to Milwaukee, you know, you know, you guys aren't going to have to pay for it. Was this another one of those moments, or is this the is this the former governor who's reached a point in his life where, you know, maybe he just gets to call him like he sees him. He says that he supports Trump's ideas. president hurts himself with the way he communicates. He should throw the tweet out the window, take a Dale Carnegie course on public diplomacy. He's a bully, and the president should not be a bully. 414-799-1620. What do you think about what the governor, former governor, just said? It's 217. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We discuss next. 219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, former governor Tommy Thompson. I, I just know Tommy for so long, I call him governor. He always says, God, call me Tommy. I, I, I can't. I call him governor. Um, but he, he's up in Rib Mountain by Wausau. Yesterday, he's part of this panel discussion, and he starts talking about President Trump. And he says, look, I appreciate the policies, but he needs to lose the, the, the tweets, needs to take a Dale Carnegie course. He's a bully, and the president shouldn't be a bully. That line is now starting to get national attention. Did did former Governor Thompson go too far? Let's start with Malcolm and Racine. Malcolm, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Hi. Uh, my thought is that uh, Tommy Thompson lost to Tammy Baldwin. Yep. Kane and Romney lost to Obama. Those guys should keep their mouths shut. At least Trump was the winner. He won the election, so he's obviously doing something better than those guys all did. And uh, you don't. And you don't see. Uh, you don't see W. You don't see W opening his mouth. Well, no, uh, that's mouthing, no, that that's uh, true. No, I mean, thanks to okay, so that that's true. Um, you know, the former presidents have not spoken out. Um, and, and I mean, I I think. You know, candidly, I think, you know, uh, you know, President Bush, uh, even during the Obama years, he, he recognized that, OK, my, my time is run. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that he didn't like that Obama did. All right. Four, one, four, seven, nine, nine, one, six, twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is is Tommy Thompson saying what he's saying? Is this just sort of the the rattlings of a, you know, former, formerly incredibly successful politician who's just, um you know, maybe he should just stay out of this. Or is he trying to, you know, impart wisdom, you know, as he looks back based on what he went through? And again, it, it's tough. It's tough to refer. Yes. You know, Malcolm is right. Tommy Thompson lost to Tammy Baldwin. And you can make a strong argument that, that maybe Tommy should not have made that that particular run. I candidly don't know if any of the Republican Senate candidates running six years ago when Barack Obama was at the top of the ticket, I don't know if any of them could have won. I, I really, I, I don't. Um, but, you know, maybe you could argue that Tommy should have just avoided that and just, you know, r- r- bask in his you know, former electoral glory. But at the same time, you, you got to credit him because that's what I was saying earlier. You look at these vote totals that this guy amassed, and it was just incredible. So here's somebody who I, I think while politics changes, when when Tommy Thompson speaks about politics, I, I think you do listen. The question becomes to me, you know, is it is it constructive for a at least one time leader of the Republican Party? Is it constructive for him to be talking about the president? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I I think candidly, what you see happening here is, you know, Tommy. Tommy probably looks at this 
like, hey, I, I don't I don't need to carry water for anybody. I'm not running for anything anymore, and I'm going to call it like I see it. And that that's what he sees. Now, I'm not sure I would have used the phrase bully, but um, I, I think what he's saying is perhaps what a lot of us have been saying. I always just say, you know, there's a difference between style and, and substance, and I think sometimes the style gets in the way of the substance. Let's talk to... Clint in Appleton. Clint, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how are you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Hey, I, I kind of had this discussion with my friends up too bad. They said, well, why do you hate Trump and this and that? And I, I said, honestly, I love a lot of his ideas. I love a lot of his plans. And I support everything he goes for. But the way he goes about the thing, I just feel like it's making it harder for him. It's making it tougher for him. Mm-hmm. And he's not making it easy on himself at all. And I don't know how he thinks he's making it easy on himself when he goes about it that way. Well, I, I, you know, thanks. I mean, I, I've been using the phrase punching down, and I, I guess I, it's, I mean, there is no question that, that President Trump is extremely thin-skinned. Maybe we can all all agree on that, and he kind of obsesses on what I would consider to be, you know, little things. Who who cares about, you know, somebody who, you know, takes a shot at you, figuratively speaking? You know, I mean, who, who cares? And a lot of times when you respond, you give that person the, the attention that they're looking for. You know, I mean, if you respond to trolls, well, all that does is it emboldens the trolls. So you just ignore it. Who, who cares? And and the president just can't let stuff go. Maybe that's what he's talking about with his his bully, um, you know, comment. Uh, Melinda in West Bend, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, you know, I really feel like if you just take politics out of the whole thing, and you look at the president as an office, and that office, the person of the president, has there's certain expectations about how a president is supposed to conduct themselves. That is supposed to be one of the most, um, one of the things that has the most integrity. And I think by using platforms such as Twitter and by just kind of throwing out um, good discourse, that it it makes it really hard for um, you know for that for him to be respected for President Trump to be respected and I want to respect my president because I want to respect any president. Do you do you agree with Thompson? Do you, do you think he's a bully? The yeah, president's I think, bully. I I think that I think he does show some bully behavior. Yeah, I I okay. guess I do. Okay, th- thanks for calling. No, I mean. I, and I again, that's why again I, I say style, style and substance. If you look at the substance of a lot of the things that President Trump has accomplished, I, I think there, there's stuff that a number of us would would support. The style gets in the way, and 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 certainly the word bully is well. I, I guess the larger question is: Should Tommy keep his mouth shut? <laughs> George in Walworth, George you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, George. I just want to say that my wife and myself both voted for Donald Trump. We both greatly respect Governor Thompson. But, you know, my wife has been complaining all along that Trump is not presidential and that he is a bully and that he needs to be, just needs to be more grown up. And, you know, yeah, with more integrity. And, uh, and I, I, to be honest with you, I, it doesn't bother me to see him do what he does, but at times it, the Twitter thing does get to me. So, Oh, thanks a lot. That's very kind of you, George. I appreciate it. Look, I guess here, here's the bottom line of all this. And, and this, 
This is, you're going to hear this all over the media tonight and tomorrow. Former, you know, <clears throat> big time Republican politician, 67% of the vote in 1994. Tommy Thompson saying that he considers Donald Trump to be a bully. I guarantee you this is going to get national attention. Um, and, and sometimes, sometimes Tommy speaks without thinking, hey, let's stick it to Milwaukee. I don't think this was one of those occasions. I mean, I, I think he knew exactly what he was going to be saying. I think he was sending a message. And he's also kind of sending this message to Wisconsin politicians that, look, you know, th- this is a different year. 2018 is a different year, different campaigns than perhaps you ran in 2014 or 2010. And you better wake up to this. So Tommy Thompson, gone, not forgotten, and certainly speaking his mind. When we come back in a couple minutes, I've got a story about lasagna. I guarantee you it is going to be fascinating. Stick around. 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We have our winner in our Welcome Back Baseball promotion for today. Um, another four-pack of tickets to give away tomorrow during the 2 o'clock hour of the show. Be listening. I had a, a friend, um, played golf with him for a number of years. He passed away in the last year or so. His name was John Cacciardi. John was just a fun guy, a very nice man. He he had this thing, though. When he would go to restaurants, he liked his soup hot. And it was funny. They, they, restaurants almost never served soup hot enough for John. He liked it really hot. And he would routinely send it back and ask him to put it in the microwave. And he, he liked it, I mean, to the point that it was so hot that it was like, I, I don't know how you can eat this, but that's how he liked it. He, that was, okay, we all have our quirks. He would send soup back because he always liked it hot. I was thinking of my dear departed friend today when I saw this story. Here's the deal. Suburban Chicago woman. She's in a couple months ago. She's in one of these kind of fancy high-end Italian restaurants in Chicago. Here's her story. She sits down one afternoon in December with a late lunch. She orders lasagna for her meal, an Italian restaurant. The waiter brings the food. Okay, so she's got lasagna. Um, she then places her left hand in her lap, picks up her fork with her right hand, and then sticks the fork into the lasagna. All right? As she sticks her fork into the lasagna. Well, this is the way the lawsuit reads. Upon contact with the fork, and without warning, piping hot marinara sauce shoots from the lasagna onto her left hand, scalding the skin and causing a burn. She has now, so, okay, you got it. I mean, she's, she doesn't, like, have a knife, I don't get it, she doesn't have a knife in her left hand, she's like, sticks, she says she's got the hand in her lap, she sticks the fork into the lasagna, Marinara sauce squirts out, gets on her hand, and scalds her hand. The lawsuit contends that the restaurant was careless and negligent in preparing unreasonably hot food, serving such food, failing to cool the food, failing to train staff members to serve cooler food, and failing to warn her and others that their food was hot and dangerous. The lawsuit says the restaurant should also have warned her that marinara sauce could erupt from the lasagna. She says that she suffered great physical pain and mental anguish, which has rendered her unable to work. 
because she's so traumatized that the marinara sauce squirted out when she stuck her fork into it. She wants more than 50000 bucks for this from the restaurant. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My guess is, at some point in time, you have been in a, a restaurant and you have, I don't know, bitten into food where you go, oh, that's really hot. You say to everybody else, be careful, those french fries are really hot. Or, well, that, that steak is really hot. Or, or be careful, it's really hot, you want to let it cool. You know, maybe you've been in a situation where you bite into something and, and something, you know, squirts out on you. You know, you've got that, you've got that pizza roll. And, you know, you, you go and you bite into the pizza roll and it's really hot. And then you're going, give me a glass of water. All right. This lady says the food that she was served was unreasonably hot. She should have been warned that marinara sauce could have squirted out from the lasagna. The restaurant was negligent in serving it. It was too hot. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you sympathetic to this lady, or does it sound to you like she is trying to win the legal lottery? She wants more than fifty grand in damages, says that essentially her life has been ruined because the hot marinara sauce squirted out. I don't make this stuff up. Are you sympathetic to her? Do you think that she has a beef? 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss in just a minute. Gru is lining up the calls. If you're on the line, please hold on. 241, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is the case of the exploding piece of lasagna. Stick around. 245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. My wife the other night, last night, said we were talking about places we'd like to go, and she was asking me, you know, what's... What are some of your bucket list things that you'd like to do? And one of the things I mentioned, I said, I'd, I'd love to go see the Masters. And um, Masters is going on right now. Tiger Woods just finished his round. He uh, ended up one over par, which is kind of an average the uh, an average round. The uh, I think the leader right now is four or five under par. So he, he's in it, but not great. All right, here's what we're talking about right now. Lady, this is her lawsuit, just filed earlier this week. She goes into an Italian restaurant in early December for lunch. She orders lasagna. Her story is she's got her left hand in her lap. She takes her fork. She sticks it in the lasagna. Marinara sauce squirts out. It goes onto her hand. It burns her hand. And now she's traumatized. She can't work anymore. She wants a whole bunch of money because the restaurant was negligent because the marinara sauce was too hot. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Brian in Appleton. Brian, hello. Hi, how you doing? I'm I'm well, thank you. Okay, now this woman, she says she got burned when the stuff squirted on her. Yeah, I um I think she's she's out of line, uh, totally. Um, it's lasagna. That I don't know. We used to live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and there was a restaurant there where they made the juicy Lucy. Right, that, like let's like, like loose meat and stuff, right? Well, yeah, it's yeah. two patties, and then they put butter and cheese on the inside and peel it. Right. And when you eat, bite into it, yeah, it squirts all over, but they tell you that that's going to be extremely hot. Um, we're talking about lasagna. I mean, I don't know. I just think she's trying to look for money, really. <laughs> well, it does kind of, I mean, thanks for, I mean, it does kind of, it, it does kind of sound like that. I mean, this in some respects reminds me of the, the McDonald's coffee story. I like coffee hot, 
My friend who I was talking about earlier liked soup really hot. When you order food that is supposed to be served hot, I mean, I think what happens is you have to assume it's going to be hot, and you have to, you know, be careful with it. Like, okay, I've got the coffee from Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever. Maybe I want to sip it to try it out. Um, the lasagna, maybe rather than sticking my fork in it, I want to maybe actually take a knife and cut a little piece of it off or, or something like that. But the bottom line is, yeah, I mean, I want the restaurant to serve the food hot and then give me the option of letting it cool off. It's like you go to the Mexican restaurant, you order, um, you, you, you know, you order, you know, some of the fajitas. They bring the fajitas out on that sizzling grill. Well, you know it's going to be hot if you stick your finger onto that little grill and grab a piece of meat right away or the potato or whatever they've got on it. Their chances are that you're perhaps going to burn yourself. 414-799-1620. Tyler in Oconomowoc. Tyler, you're on WTMJ. Hello. How's it going, Jeff? Real well, thank you. What do you think of this? Uh, I think she's a liar. Huh. I mean, if she's just saying that she gently placed the, fo- the fork into the piece of lasagna, that, that fork would have to be so cold, and that lasagna would be so hot that it would be bubbling, almost bouncing off the plate to cause an explosion for it to right. shoot out the lasagna onto her hand. Right. I think what happened is that she took a she took a piece, she's bringing it to her mouth, and it dropped on her hand. Right. Right. And and to say that it caused her physical and emotional distress, that she her anguish that she can't go to work. I mean, people like her and the lawyer that actually took up the case that thought that she could actually win caused me mental anguish. <laughs> what's going on with the world? Right. So I mean, your general sense. I mean, you think what really happened is she. She she hacks off a piece of the thing, and then it drops or spills onto her. And in that particular case, I mean, if you drop food onto your lap, well, I, I expect that when I expect when they bring me a plate of food that it's going to be hot. That's why you're always kind of careful with that first bite or so to make sure it's not too hot that it's going to burn your tongue or something. Well, exactly. And if you're going to order lasagna, yeah, they have to cook it to a certain degree <laughs> to kill all the bacteria and germs that are naturally in the food. Right. Well, or also to make it warm throughout. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I want. I want it. No, thanks. Well, well, I mean, last thing I want is a big chunk of lasagna that's like cold in the middle. You expect that this type of thing is going to be hot, just like you would expect soup is going to be hot, or you'd expect coffee is going to be hot. Let's talk to. Um, Pete in Appleton. Pete, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Good. Um, well, you know, if this was the case, I would be able to do every frozen pizza maker ever made <laughs> because I burn myself every single time and I cook it to their specifications. <laughs> so, to me, this is nuts. I've never, I've eaten lots of lasagna in my life and I've never had a pizza explode, explode <laughs> on me. So I, I don't know what is going on, but something is not right. And I'm sorry, you when you get your food, you expect it to be hot. It came out of a four to five hundred degree oven. Right. If if you take a bite out of something that's got steam and it's bubbling when it comes to your plate or to your table, and you still take a bite out of it, that's on you. You're just dumb. Right. Well, now she said. Now she says she didn't take a bite out. She says she she was sitting there politely and she just. She just innocently put this fork in there, and all of a sudden, all the stuff squirted out on her, and that created the problem. 
Yeah, like I said, I've had a lot of lasagna in my life. I've never had any explode on me where the sauce came flying out. Yeah, I have, right. I I haven't either. It's interesting. You made the point about the frozen pizza. I I literally, I I have one, two, three, four different texts, people saying, what's next? Frozen pizza burn the roof of your mouth? Yeah, that, that happens all the time as well. Let's talk to Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. Yeah, actually, that kind of stole my thunder a little bit, but, you know, more, more for pizza joints than anything else. Not so much the frozen pizza, but, you know, every pizza joint, every pizza restaurant would be in trouble. That and when you get huh. uh, mozzarella sticks, I've had that sometimes where it's like hotter than all bejesus in there when you bite into it. Right. That, that's why you got it right. You you know that you got to be careful with that. You know, right. And exactly. You're at the pizza place, they bring it out, and that cheese is really – I want my pizza to be served hot, but the bottom line is sometimes you have to, like, let it cool off a little bit. How would she handle fondue? <laughs> I, I I don't know. But she, said, she says she's a victim. She's sitting there. You know, she just, like, taps that fork in there, and all of a sudden all this stuff starts spilling out. Well, I, I hope her case goes through. You know what? I hope she does get it. You know why? Because then she'll set a, there'll be a precedent set, and then we can all see. Well, exactly. Thanks for calling. We'll put some of these restaurants, you know, out, out of business. Again, I, I keep going. I just, I, when, I, when I saw the story, I keep going back to my friend John Cacciardi, who used to send, I, I mean, the soup would come. It would be perfectly fine, as far as my taste would be. And he'd, he'd always be very nice about it, you know, and he'd say, I really like my soup hot. I mean, hot, hot, hot. Could you please take it back and put it in the microwave? And it's, it was just a matter of taste. But regardless, I think you want, I mean, if I'm ordering food in a restaurant, I want it to be served hot. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, up, lost Jeff. Uh, Dave in Oak Creek. Hi, Dave. Uh, hey, hey, Jeff. Top of the afternoon to you. Uh, Same to you, sir. I, the, the one thing I'm going to say is I was in that explosion in 06 at Falk where, you know, three people died, and we were back to work in three days. So <laughs> my point is, you know, now she can't work because she got burned on the hand from lasagna. <laughs> What's wrong with this world? Yeah, you're, you're not you're not buying that, in other words, huh? No, no, no. What we went through and what we saw, these guys, down at, you know, working there, and, you know, we, in three days we were back just doing our job. Um, so. Yeah, th- thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the other thing as well. I mean... I guess here's what I, I look at this stuff. And, and if, okay, if if she spilled or the thing spilled on her and, you know, you've got, you know, a, a, an injury, okay, maybe, maybe, you know, worst case scenario, all right, the restaurant picks up the tab for, you know, whatever the injury might be. But this idea that, oh, I'm completely crushed, I, I can't work. I mean, I'm so traumatized by this. I mean, people spill stuff. Stuff like this happens this strikes me as another one of these examples of somebody trying to win the legal lottery. How it plays out, though, who knows? And what happens a lot of times is these things get settled because what, what happens is these restaurants have insurance. Um, the insurance company looks and says, okay, here's what it's going to happen. You know, we're going to have to hire and pay a lawyer to defend this lawsuit. That's going to cost X thousands of dollars to do this. We think we're going to win. But, you know, who knows? You could get some crazy jury and they could award God knows what. So, you know, a lot of times these things settle for what they call nuisance value. But all that does is embolden other people to file similar lawsuits. It's 254. When we come back, we'll find out what John, Melissa, and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.